Q presents the making of. That's the that's the thing. And it's not gonna have like a drum roll in it, is it? <laughs> it is now. Q presents the making of. Hi. I'm Ted, you're wrong. I'm Dean Friday. Why did you say Friday? Friday. I'm going to say it wrong again. Just make sure you correct me because it'll be embarrassing otherwise. Ted's the right. That's right. You say Ted if you want. Got it. We're just going back. We're just talking about your life. Your life and times. Cool. And uh, that's about it, really. And what the music you're into and what it was like growing up and what the future holds and just basically everything to do with you okay okay you ready for that yeah sounds like a quiz well I guess it is all interviews <laughs> are slightly like a quiz aren't they a little bit And there's one little little sort of random thing we do at the end but I'm going to leave that as a surprise exciting yeah <laughs> So, here we go. Hello, this is Q Presents The Making Of, the podcast where singers and songwriters join us for a trip down memory lane. I'm Ted Kessler, and my guest this week is Bridie Mons-Watson, otherwise known as Soak, the young singer-songwriter from Derry, Northern Ireland, who came to prominence in 2015 with her debut album, Before We Forgot How To Dream. That album was released when she was just 19, and outlined in beautiful detail the trials and the tribulations of life on the teenage front line. Now, at the grand old age of 22, <laughs> she's back for a second album, Grimtown, which is a big step up both in sound and subject matter. Bridie, hello. Hey. How's your day been so far? What have you been up to? I got a train from Manchester. Um, I've had a really lazy, easy day so right, far. Okay. Just cruising around. How really. far away from uh, the stations you live in Manchester? Uh, like a walk. So oh, that's nice. Like yeah, I like minutes. that walk in Manchester, the station too. It's nice. Yeah, yeah it's pretty. Manchester's pretty. Yeah. But bit smoky, but pretty. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> It's England, yeah. Yeah. When you come to London, do you feel like do you feel like London's a bit of a grim town? I used to, and I don't anymore. I I used to dread coming to London because it just felt like such a it's exhausting kind of place. It's so hectic and so many people. Yeah. And I've grown to really like it now. Oh, that's yeah. good. I don't, I'm not sure what the reasons why. I just I don't know. I have an appreciation. I guess if you get used to anything, you can sort of yeah adapt to it. yourself. Would you? You'd never consider living here though. I actually I want to live in Brighton next year that's where I'm going to go so, so you're not settling on anywhere at the moment you're just going to no. move around and see where yeah, you yeah I want to be near London but I don't want to be in it just sounds gotcha. like too much effort to be in it yeah but near it yeah and then when you get older you want to be right in it and you won't be able to afford to be right in it yeah. that's what happens to most people they end up being <laughs> just outside it and wondering why can't I live in the centre of London but that's another story why did you choose Manchester as a base um all kind of following a crowd my right. uh I'd like finished touring and came back to Derry and it was a bit quiet yeah. and everybody had moved on really and started university or jobs and it just felt like I needed to graduate from there and go somewhere else and have a bit more independence I guess too. And Manchester, like Music City, yeah. a lot of pe I knew a lot of people there, it just seemed like the right place and it was big enough but not too big. And that's the thing with London, I feel like it's just too big. Manchester was like doable, like completable. Yeah. I suppose so. you'd moved on a little bit too from Derry in, in your own head. Yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of just, I'd, I'd done my time there. It sounds like prison, but like I actually really <laughs> like the place, but 
you know, yeah. it's just time to go. Yeah. So let's go back to Derry. Let's go back to the start of your life, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> what were your earliest memories growing up? My earliest memories growing up? Probably, actually, they weren't in Derry. I was born in Belfast. Gotcha. And yeah. I grew up a little bit for a couple of years in Lisburn. And my earliest memories are we used to have a country house and my on the, every Sunday night one of my parents they used to work in a mental health facility so they'd work overnight and they both worked the same kind of job mm. in the same place so one night my mum would be there one night my dad would be there and when it was my mum's turn to work my dad would like put the music up really loud and play Mozart or Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin, Johnny Mitchell anything and we'd play like the floor is lava around the living room nah. jumping on the sofas to like like horses really right um i think that's my earliest memory so music was a big part of your upbringing then yeah 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 and what was what was your dad's favorite music then apart from those uh, my dad's a guitarist so right. his okay. favorite guitarist is Jimi hendrix predictable but right well true. yeah he's a good guitarist yeah it's <laughs> not bad yeah. um and Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd, I think, was his main band, and that transferred a lot to me and my brothers. I think. Does he? Uh, does he play in bands? He does. He uh, he always has. He just kind of he plays something about a helicopter. Is their name now? It's not something about a helicopter, but oh, it's helicopters <laughs> in the title. Okay, they're not called something about helicopters. No. quite a good name. It's quite yeah. a good name. Um, yeah, they just, he just enjoys it. He loves music. Yeah, he plays whenever he can. And how was your home? Was it a happy home? Yeah, growing up, like I lived initially in the country, and mm. we just had all the freedom in the world to do whatever we want and enjoy ourselves in whatever yeah. like farm ways we could. Um, and then when we moved to Derry, I was closer to seven or eight, and it was the same really safe freedom, a really easy like sheltered growing up experience. I think. When when did you start writing songs yourself or start experimenting with music? music. Yeah. Um, my first introduction really to music was uh, the first one that kind of struck a chord with me was when I was about 12. I wanted drums because my next door neighbor who was my best friend wanted drums and right. we did everything together so I just had to have them. I didn't get them. But my big brother who didn't want a guitar got a guitar and I just made do with that and stole it off him and made him write awful tablature for smoke in the water on a piece of paper and then I learned that really well and I came to my dad and was like look I'm so good <laughs> and I forced him to teach me other things and he was really excited to have someone interested in music I guess so right. we bonded over that and I guess kind of once I'd learnt my way around a guitar and could use it to express myself that was my first kind of big breakthrough um, in self-expression and honesty really at that yeah. point and that's kind of just kicked it all off then I got a bit obsessed what was the first song that you wrote can you remember um, and how old were you I know I was like 12 13 and I was going at the very end probably of my Avril Lavigne fizz hmm. um, and I, I know I wrote something about trees and it was very environmentally friendly and <laughs> recycling based it might have been a school kind of thing but I know I don't. I couldn't tell you its title. Right. Okay. Deforestation kind of vibe. Yeah. And when did you perform for the first time? The first time I played in some cover bands when I was as soon as I could play the guitar, I was like, I need wow. to be in all the bands in the town, and I need to be everywhere. Um, and I played in a band called That's What She Said initially, and it was me and two other girls, and we covered like the zom zombie by the Cranberries yeah. and stuff like that. And then um, what else we do? 
I was also in a band called Peeing in the Dark. That was a vibe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was in loads of different, like... What were Peeing in the Dark like? Awful. <laughs> As the name would kind of... Well, you, you never know. know. I don't know. It could be. Was it like a punk band? No, I wish. Um... It's a cover band kind of thing again. Just a cover band. Yeah, it was. I never really sang original. I think you should have pursued Peeing in the Dark a little I bit longer. I think it could come back. You <laughs> never know. I still, I mean, it's still in my brain, so. Yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, I started singing like my own songs then, I guess. I was more 14 and I guess yeah. all the cover bands people moved on from. Because I remember um, when you were, you must have been 16 at, at the time your name being passed around. A&R offices and, and management companies go, there's this, there's this kid from Northern Ireland called Soak. You should hear, have you heard the Soak demo? And I'm going, no, of course I've not heard the Soak demo. I'm a journalist. We hear these well, after yeah, these stuff's come out. But but I mean, that was, you were the hot property when you were just 16. How did that, how did you, how did that reflect upon you? Did you, were you aware of that or how did that happen? I think I never ever kind of foresaw any success in music and I was never really trying for it like I kind of was just really enjoying myself and loving making music and trying to be really annoying and put it everywhere I could Yeah. and when it went well and I got good feedback and people became interested it felt like a huge surprise Um, and I was just like happy and excited about that really I don't think I put much thought into it other than like how can I play more shows and travel more and yeah. yeah I, was, I mean in your bio it says here I just one thing I underlined <laughs> I was so sure of myself when I was 16 so sure of what I was about I yeah. didn't give a fuck yeah I was really confident and like I think really impulsive I just didn't think about anything until after yeah yeah which I guess a lot of kids do I guess so I mean yeah so but then you started bringing out music and it was widely well received tell us about the first album tell us what, what were the ideas and where the songs were built the so the first album before we forgot how to dream um was kind of a collection of songs from when i was 13 to 17 18 would have been the last kind of songs on it um all about my life like i kind of my way of writing at that stage was that i would write and then never look at a song again really it would just be done right um and the themes behind the album were the idea of growing up and mainly just kind of gossip between my friends and my life that uh, made me feel a certain way or music has always been the way that I say things without having to talk to actual people and have that awkward conversation so that's yeah. what the album was Yeah. Um, and that's why a lot of the vocals are kind of mumbled because I didn't really want to say things because I was trying to disguise a lot of things still through metaphors and trying to be smart about it Yeah. yeah but it feels like it feels like a shy record to me and kind of just me working out what I'm about. Yeah, but then you took it on tour and I suppose it must have um, connected with quite a lot of people that way. Did you find you're having to explain the meanings behind the songs to, to more people Yeah, and therefore working out what it all meant? Yeah. Well, I no, I don't think I ever worked out really what I was about. I still right. haven't a clue, really, but <laughs> trying. Um, you know, I think... That was the thing with interviews and stuff last time around. It was really kind of awkward and uncomfortable, I think, for me to sit and have to in-depth explain what I was writing about. Yeah. Because it's like almost, in a way, it felt like talking to my mum and being like, I was sad because, and then this happened, or, you know, it's it's very personal. Yeah. It's a, it's, you feel very vulnerable in that scenario. And and then where did the songs from Grimtown come? Because there was a quite a big 
there's a quite a big gap, I suppose, in, mm. in what is quite a short life. Yeah. Quite a get, big gap between the two <laughs> yeah. albums. What happened between the two records to you? So I finished, first album came out and then I toured it for probably two more years after it came out really intensely. Like I didn't, I was never really home for more than a week for a whole two years. Mm. And whilst that was such a privilege and felt like such an accomplishment to be able to do that and I loved it it's also really strange at that age to not be around your peers and around your friends all the time and for a lot of touring I was on my own with one other person or two other people before I had the band and everything and that is a really isolating kind of experience in a way um and it just was exhausting at the end of it I think I just burned myself out because I'd, I'd been doing a lot happily but I don't I think I realised the effect it was really having on my mental health. And the nature of tour is that you can kind of avoid things for as long as you want. Yeah. So when I finished her and came home to Derry, uh, I guess I expected all my friends to still live there and just be waiting for me to come home to, you know, celebrate my return. <laughs> and um, it's not how it works when you get older. People have jobs and other lives. And that was a hard thing, I think, to accept and come to terms with I guess that you got to be selfish at this age in a way. And after having such a hectic lifestyle and returning to stationary, quiet place, it just was a bit overwhelming and I didn't like it. Mm. And I had a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself to make another album as soon as I could without knowing what I even wanted to say. So I just fell in this really weird area of depression and just anxiety. I just had this whole, like moment where I had no idea who I was if I wasn't involved in music, like what purpose did I have otherwise. And the whole process of this album was finally realising that well the breakthrough in writing this album coming up with the idea of Grim Time was at the beginning I felt pressure to write for my label or for my team or stuff like that, even though there was no pressure from them at all. It was all self inflicted. Yeah. Um and it just wasn't working when I had that mindset and eventually I just hit a really big low and just and realised that I had to write things for myself and a cathartic cathartic what's the word? Cathartic 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 I can't say I can't that. talk today cathartic Thank Jesus you, Christ so. uh, cathartic manner cathartic. and it all became a lot more easy to you know write a record when you're speaking your mind yeah and so Grimtown is like me making my brain a place so that I could work out my problems from uh, a further retrospectively. So Grimtown isn't actually a specific location. It's no. um, it's a state of mind that you were trying to get out of. Yeah. Yeah. And you think you've left that station behind? Uh, I definitely think I've like accomplished <laughs> that difficult time mm. in a way. I think. I mean, the whole kind of idea behind the album is being a life trainee and mm. working out that awkward teenager to adult transition of what gene, what's me what way am I meant to act now? How mm. more responsible am I meant to be? And I don't think I've worked that out and people tell me that you just don't. I don't think you <laughs> so do. So that's no, fun. No. But, um, you just get used to yourself after yeah. a while, that's all. You just get just used accept to it. it. I've come to peace with a lot of that, though. I'm just a mess. That's, <laughs> just get used to the idea, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. If you weren't a blazer, you couldn't be that much of a mess. 
that's the disguise. <laughs> it's the disguise. He dressed up. See, you've got tattoos, and I've got a little blazer on. That's our little. Those are our disguises. Um, uh, yeah. So let's talk about some of the songs on there. Do you mind talking about some of the songs? Yeah, totally. Go set, go kid. Get set, go kid. Get set, go kid. There you go. Let's talk about get set, go kid. <laughs> What's that? That is that like the 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 journey from depression? Yeah. Song. I wanted the way the album structured is that you enter the album on a train with yeah. my granddad reading this really like sarcastic. Oh, is that your granddad? It's my granddad. Oh, fantastic! Reading a sarcastically kind of tannoy message that's like you're going to Grimtown. Here's what you, here's how your truck journey is going to be. You can't sit down because there's no seats, and kind of you have to be this depressed, this and that, this whatever mm. to access Grimtown. And Get Set Go Kid is your first stop, kind of, when you get off the train. And that's me when I first kind of got to Manchester, really, because I was still in this weird headspace and living in a one-bed apartment on my own and trying to work out what I'm doing. That's so bold. How old? So you were, like, 21 when you... I was 20... Maybe I was just turned 21. 20, 21-ish. That's very bold to move to a completely different city. Yeah. I don't think I really thought about it when I did it. It was more I thought about it. You must have really needed to do it though. Yeah, I just needed to. It was I was just so caught up in my own stuff that I was like, I need to get out of here. I just need to go somewhere, Mm. and it felt like a relief to go somewhere, but also a new kind of fear to be like a stranger in a strange place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, and uh, I was blue, Technicolor too. That's a sort of song about. Is that about uh, parties or? It's a song about. Yeah, it's about going to house parties in Ireland and mm. kind of first going to non-innocent parties because it's so used to like going to really innocent get-togethers where there'd be inflatable palm trees or shit like that I don't know <laughs> I'm speaking off one time I came <laughs> home from Australia and we had a palm tree themed party <laughs> it's really a kangaroo called Kev it was a big right. event um, <laughs> but uh, I guess non-innocent parties that that was a song about those and realizing that everything isn't all rainbows and you know just people but you know messy and druggy and experiencing yeah. that for the first time and also being in a moment of social anxiety and not really wanting to be at the party or anywhere else <laughs> yeah um, I think that's a fairly typical reaction to being at parties to honest yeah you. I mean <laughs> some people are for it some people aren't I'm just not sure if I can fully commit to parties I'm kind of into parties, but I'm definitely not into house parties. I've never really got into house parties. I like clean parties. <laughs> so you like a party that's a cake and not not like not like boring <laughs> birthday parties either, but uh, like ones that just don't go. Party? Just not too extreme. I've just seen too too many extreme parties in the past couple of years. Yeah. But I was blue. The kind of the chorus. My of, mind is boggling here. <laughs> okay, carry on. Yeah. The uh, chorus is kind of like uh, I was blue. Technicolor, I was blue. Uh, Technicolor, when I look to you, kind of that internally feeling awful. But when people are like, "How are you doing? You having a good time?" You're like, yeah, whoa, it's amazing. <laughs> it was just about that, really. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We all know that feeling. Um, and the the first single, "Everybody Loves You," mm. is that just a straight love song, or is, or is it not straight a straight love song? It's just straight up kind of like, yeah, it's a really honest love song in the way that the whole start to finish I'm try- I tried to cover the spectrum of being in denial and mm-hmm. being like oh get away from me I don't care about you <laughs> and then being like oh but everyone loves you and like 
it's really annoying but I kind of do as well and that's right. why I wrote it it's just I'm really good at lying to myself I think and um, I wanted to make a not that typical love song are you still in that relationship? no I never really was to be honest it was more of a lusting after someone I guess right yeah so it doesn't feel, but it doesn't feel bittersweet to sing it no, I think it's funny now because I'm just laughing at myself at how dramatic I can be usually. <laughs> are you, uh, how is your love life? My love life yes. right now? It's are you caught turned in? into like an agony and well, It could be. I don't <laughs> mind. We can, we can go at any uh, It's really good. I have my girlfriend, Ella. We've been together for over a year. She's from Switzerland. She's lovely. She speaks French sometimes. It's very cute. Great, yeah, it's good. I'd say successful currently. Good. See, it's worth me asking us now. You've got the shout out for Ella on, on exactly. this podcast. She'd be so happy. And she'll, she'll know that you said it was oh, the sarcasm. <laughs> no, it's, it's cute though. Thank okay, you. Let, <laughs> what are your plans for the immediate future? Uh, by immediate future, I mean next few months. This um, summer. so my album comes out in the end of April, mm -hmm. and I guess that's my life for the next while. Uh, to tour it and promote it and talk about it in length. Yeah, do you think your head's now in the right space, though? Do you feel like you've moved? Yeah, I feel a lot more comfortable with myself and a lot more confident in who I am, what I have to say now. Mm. Before, I had a lot of doubts about the, about how I represented myself, I guess. Mm. And now you feel like you're confident and I'm soaked. Yeah, well, yeah. not I'm soaked, but like I'm, I'm yeah. getting there. Mm. Yeah. Why soak, by the way? No good reason. No good reason. No. Why is it capitalised? Looks cooler. Yeah. <laughs> and also, when you Google soak uh, and it's not capitalised, you get... There's a bathtub come bath up. Yeah, as I found out. Yeah. yeah. I get tagged in a lot of baths on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Q presents the making of... Let's, uh, let me ask you some um, more general music questions, if you're ready for that. Okay. Cool. Okay. What was the first record you bought? First record I bought was Bonnie Verse for Emma Forever Ago. Oh my gosh, you're so young. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. I uh, saw it in HMV and it looked cool. And it was on No reason you've not heard it before. No. Did did it have an impact on you? Or do you think, God, cheer up, man? <laughs> I'd never heard someone be that honest and sad, I don't think, right. in music before. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, I still hold it as one of my favourite records ever. And oh, it right, meant okay. a lot so to the, me. So one was, of them, but not. I oh, know. So it was a really important record. So oh, it yeah, wasn't big just. Time. So you weren't just. Dis you weren't going. This looks cool, and I'm a bit disappointed. You're like, oh, maybe I cool. had heard of it a bit before. Oh, right, maybe I'd yeah. heard Skinny Love or something like that. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. I the record and the way his lyrics are, I that was my first time hearing lyrics that didn't rhyme really and didn't make sense initially and you had mm. to really look into them and discover what he was on about and all those hidden connotations and meanings I loved the kind of mystery of it yeah. and also just like you know straight off the bat with his vocal and guitar like how hurt or happy or whatever he is yeah. and I like that okay alright what was the yeah. first gig you ever went to? <laughs> uh, I went to Avril Lavigne when I was like uh, six or seven. And oh, that is young. Yeah, my my parents like knew I had to be there, so they made a big effort. <laughs> Where was this in in Belfast or in Derry? Actually, she came to Derry. Yeah, All right. I know, strange, but yeah. you know BBC Big Weekend. Ah, oh, that's it's one why. of the first one of those. Of course, it was. Yeah. yeah, that which in my mind wasn't that long ago, but I suppose it was. To me, it was like a bit ago. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah, my parents ended up with some backstage passes or something. They knew someone, and they managed to go backstage and steal her like ex makeup, one of those cotton bud things. Yeah, and then right. I had them in like a little poly pocket for a couple of months. Yeah, it's no creepy longer. as hell, but yeah, I was seven. I loved it. If you love someone, you love someone. Exactly. Um, what was the most recent gig you went to as a sort of punter? Oh, it was actually it was Villagers online. Oh right, yeah. Villagers. I went to see them in Manchester Cathedral like last week. Oh, I bet that was good. His last records are really good, so isn't good. it? So good. All of the records are so, All are so good. good. I really particularly like the last one. The last one is such a change. Yeah. Yeah. His first record's my absolute favourite. Yeah, he's a really good he's really got something about him, hasn't he? Absolutely. I'll have to get him on yeah. here, actually. He's a great great singer and, and writer. He's on him. Cool. So, what are the best five groups of all time? If if you really had to name, I know it's tough, but come on, this is the stuff oh. that keeps me awake at night. It's gonna let you've got to let me know. Best five groups ever. In your mind. In my brain. Yeah. Abba, Fleetwood Mac. Oh my God, Pink Floyd. I feel like I need to get some recent. God, uh, could be a million people right now. Pangrove. Okay, well, there yeah. you go. So you put it right up to date. That's good. Yeah, okay. just going through. I mean, that's a good... In reverse, that's a quite a good festival bill as well, isn't it? They can actually play and... That'd be insane. It would be quite good, wouldn't it, though? That'd be unreal. Was it Pink Floyd of... Who'd come? Pink Floyd of Fluid Mac who'd headline? Probably. Pink Floyd, because they'd need to... Because they'd go then, over time anyways. Yeah, and they'd need all the lights and stuff. Yeah. Fluid Mac could probably just busk it with... In, in, in sort <laughs> they could of, get away with anything. A bit of sunset would be quite nice, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it'd be yeah, cute. The sunset aria. That'd yeah. be nice. I've been to that. If push comes to shove, what is the best song of all time? Jesus Christ. I know the answer, so uh, you tell me your answer. You know the answer? I know the there answer. There is an answer, it's not like <laughs> well, opinion. I know my is, answer. Okay. I know my answer, so. This is an insanely hard question. Uh, can I say two, just like yeah, slide them in? Tinsel Time in the Rain by uh, the Blue Nile, or... Mm. Silver Springs by Fleetwood Mac, but the live version where okay. she goes for it. So out of those two, it's the best. Jesus. Uh, in terms of emotion, Silver Springs. There you go. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. What, that's your number one. As no, well? no, no, yeah. <laughs> no. I'm going to choose that's that. The right answer. No, my favourite is Family Fair by Sly and the Family Stone. I mean, that's I think the best song. You of can't go wrong. Yeah. It's a pretty good one. Okay, well now we've got one more elements this interview and you're too young to remember smash hits but you may have heard tale of smash hits as a magazine oh, yeah. many many years ago i think i know the font that they write smash hits in the very famous font <laughs> it was a pop magazine now sadly deceased but they used to have a an element of it called the biscuit tin okay and the biscuit tin was like a way of them asking unusual questions of their guests because the guests then pick some questions from the biscuit and we resurrected the biscuit tin obviously we haven't got a biscuit we've got a bi we've got an envelope <laughs> but you just have to pick one off the other say five or six of these random okay. questions and we you know they they are silly some of them are, are substantial but they're mainly silly okay so you it's better when they're silly let me just shake the envelope off you they go they do sound like sweets it's not sweet it's slightly misleading there's no okay. sweets If you had to have your own head but the body of an animal, what animal would you choose? Um, eagle, because, like, speed and efficiency. Sadly, no hands, but can get over it because I can fly. That's a good one. That is one that comes up almost every time we do it. <laughs> I'll dig deep. What is the most exotic thing you can cook? 
this come up as well? Yeah, man. Well, uh, you can make a cookbook. Um, uh, <laughs> the most exotic thing. Great idea. You're Good welcome. Idea. <laughs> That's a celebrity cookbook that we're going to be doing. Q magazines. Exotic rock stars, ex- <laughs> rock stars, exotic dishes, taste stuff. It's actually, it's actually. Carry on. Uh, what's the most? I'm really into cooking at the moment. I can make sushi. All right, that's exotic enough. That's fairly exotic, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. I mean, um, it's not cooking. I feel like I need I get- more detail though. I can make a good chana masala. There you go. That's a bit stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And it involves some heat, I think. It takes a, yeah. it takes a bit more time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. A lot of ginger in that. It's great. Cool. Okay. Keep going. You have another three or four. <laughs> Which living person do you most admire? These are like questions that you like fear you might get them wrong and then people hate you. Do no, you know what I mean? They, no, no one's going to hate you. <laughs> My mum might. <laughs> um, oh, this is impossible. Think about your mother there when you just said your mother might hate you. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I said hate, but like she might hate me too. I do admire my mum a lot. Um, I feel like it's predictable now, though, so I can't say her. Yes. Sorry, mum. Uh, Jesus. Maybe Kate Blanchett. Just really what? love Kate Blanchett. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just, fair enough. Just by default, yeah. she wins. Yeah, yeah just legend. <laughs> Okay. Kind of, I love the fact you're agonising all over that and then you can't make Kate Blanchett. That's fantastic. When it comes to your brain, it yeah. you has to be the one. That's the right answer. Yeah. I think my mum will understand that. <laughs> She'll understand. And also you did say it uh, and then, you know. Yeah, it was yeah. like a double. Yeah. Like all these double questions I've been answering with too. <laughs> Have you ever been mistaken for someone else? Not really, you know. I don't know. I, I'm constantly mistaken for a boy. That's a big element of my life. Like a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you get served in pubs? It's really hit and miss. Like, I have to have an idea at all yeah, times. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. Uh, you depends on how short my hair is. Well, yeah. I grew it out for a bit last year. Never got ID'd. Right. Cut it again. 13-year-old boy. <laughs> ID'd all the time. So, yeah. I get mistaken for a 13-year-old boy. That's my vibe. Okay. okay. Yeah. Let's have one more. One more. I reckon, if you don't mind. These are good questions, though. Yeah, they are. Yeah. It's quite enjoyable. It's more enjoyable than you think it's going to be. <laughs> When was the last time you had a punch up? <laughs> really, I'm not that much of a fighter. Um, probably my last punch up was probably likely with one of my brothers. I have two brothers. One's like two years older. One's two years younger. Yeah. Uh, probably beating up my <laughs> older brother. You know when your mom goes shopping, leaves you in the car, and mm-hmm. it just all turns really aggressive for some reason? Yeah. Yeah. Probably when I was about 10 I in a car, to... getting angry at my brother for making fun of me or something. I, my blood turns cold thinking about the fights he used to have with my brothers, <laughs> with whom I'm very, very close now, but my yeah. gosh. Me too. Like, I, I, the, a lot the, of wound, the wounds, they, I mean, not just the physical ones, but the deep psychological wounds were yeah. there for a long time. You, I, your <laughs> siblings will say some stuff to you that like, nobody else could get no. away with. Yeah. But it goes deep. Yeah, and they remember. Yeah. Yeah, my, my middle brother remembered and a few years later delivered oh. retribution when we were both adults. That's not what you And need. you know what? It's fair enough. I, <laughs> I actually, when I thought about it, I probably deserved it. So yeah. that's fair enough. But that's another pod. That's my siblings and I by me. <laughs> um, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. So it's been an absolute pleasure. All that's left is for me to thank uh, my producer, Sue, 
first Sterling work. And to thank you all for listening. I just need to ask you one more favour, please, and it's the thing that's going to keep us going and keep us running, and that is for you to go to iTunes and to rate and subscribe to us, please, because it's going to keep the, the wind beneath our wings and keep us fluttering above the clouds. So that'd be very much appreciated. Thank you, and we'll see you all next time. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Yeah, thanks all for having me. All we need you to do now is an ident. Okay. Do you know how to do an ident? It's not like I'm soaking blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but we can like it. <laughs> that, I mean, I'm soaking blah, blah, blah is quite good. But also, you could say Q presents the making of any way you like. Is that right, Sue? Yeah. Just Q presents the making of and nothing yeah, else is. Yeah, just keep saying it. You can, say so, you can throw a soak in there too if you want. You can. Q presents the what of the making of. Fucking hell. Right, here we go. Q presents the making of. Q presents the making of. This is my BBC Radio Six voice. Q presents the making of. Go crazy.